All right. Good evening. Good evening. It has been a minute, but we're back. Little hiatus and uh, busy lives, and so we took a week off, but we're back. First weekend of June. I mean, June. Gosh, man, it's time. <laughs> Corona is you know, affecting your mind. <laughs> and uh, Cross the Tracks podcast back at you once again. And uh, I'm Wayne. And I'm Steve. All right. All right. So how is things, my friend, with uh, everything? What's going on? Things are going well, man. Things are going well, other than what we normally say. And that is, right. you know, Corona and COVID's keeping us kind of... Uh, uh, isolated, you know, we don't do much except go get groceries when we have to get groceries and go out when we absolutely have to go out. And, you know, I find stuff to do around the house, man. That's about it. Yeah, pretty much the same here. Um, you know, we have a routine, follow that routine and that's it, man. It's, uh, the, the saga continues. And, uh, right now it appears that there's no end in sight, man. And yeah, you know, people just will not do the right thing, man. You still get reports of people gathering in places, no mask. And, you know, it's it's we're never going to get over this, man, if people don't get their ass in gear and pay attention to what's going on, man. So, yeah, respect the virus, respect the virus. That's a good that's a good thing, man. Respect the virus. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Man. Respect the virus. Yes, sir. Yeah. So what do we have on tap for this evening? Oh, well, I tell you, we have some memorials that's taken place since we uh, last were on on air. And a um, few uh, significant people. Uh, they're all significant. Uh, and I think we want to talk about some issues that um, we want to reflect on. Uh, the life and times and the burial of Mr. Uh, uh, John uh, Lewis. Uh, there's a big anniversary coming up that we want to talk about, the century's anniversary of that. And then we want to talk about connectivity a little bit tonight as, as we go through this as well. So, Outstanding. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's start off with uh, our memorials tonight. We will try to keep it brief because we have about three or four and um i want to start with um wilford brimley you know he was uh an actor and i i saw him being famous for two movies he did lots of commercials yep but there was two movies that i uh saw him in that i thought were really good one was called cocoon and the other was he was uh, one of the main characters in the China Syndrome. Yep. And uh, those are the two. That he's he's done a lot of things. He's you know been on Broadway and so on. But those two movies, uh, to me, I felt were a couple of his best, simply because one's dealing with life and hope. Cocoon is, and how. You know, we as we get older think that we want to be young again. Yep, yep. And that movie kind of gives you the idea of what happens when, you know, there are possible miracles or extraterrestrials that, you know, make you young of heart. And uh, this group of elderly individuals um, kind of get hooked up with some people in which there's some magical pods that make them find the, you know, the fountain of youth again. Yep. Yep. So that was, that was good for cocoon. And then the China syndrome deals with, um, a nuclear, uh, accident in which he played one of the, uh, one of the, uh, engineers that had to either trust in the science or go with his heart. And so he had to make some big decisions there and um, dealing with uh, Michael Douglas. Jane Fonda was also in it. And he had to um, make uh, a life or death choice there. So that's Wilford Brimley. Yep. 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 He um, also had a couple of roles. Uh, He was in The Natural. He played the the manager in The Natural, the Robert Redford, the baseball flick. Uh, He was in that. 
And he was a pitchman for Quaker Oats. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Gene Oatmeal, how oatmeal was good for your heart and everything. So he always played the gruff kind of characters, you know, yeah. the, the grizzly gruff kind of character, you know. So yeah. great actor. And uh, again, I, I, you know, we throw the term around, but um, I, I'd say, you know, from from the stature he had in the movie business, um, I, I, I say he's a legend. I say he's a legend. Yep. 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 All right. The next guy is uh, a television personality, uh, and that is Regis Philbin. Regis. Regis. I'll let you talk on Regis. You started off with Regis. Oh, man. Regis, uh, again, legendary man in in Hollywood, Um, big-time actor, most uh, famously known for Regis and Kathy Lee. It was a morning-type show. I actually watched that occasionally. Oh, yeah. Um, Watched that quite a bit. Kathy Lee Gifford, and he um, hosted um, a talk-type show in the mornings. And then um, at some point, Kathy Lee left that role and Kelly Ripa moved into that role. It was Regis and Kelly Lee, uh, Kelly, Regis and Kelly. And uh, I watched that for a little bit as well. Uh, But I really liked uh, Regis uh, because I always wanted to be the person who won the big pot on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, he was amazing on that show, man. And. just a legendary talent, man. Just overall legendary talent. And uh, so many people had uh, a lot of tremendous things to say about his work ethic, the way he treated people, the way we went about his business, man. And so, again, uh, legendary. Uh, your thoughts? I think the biggest thing with Regents is that he was so down to earth. Yep. You know, he was naturally comical. And he didn't let things get underneath his skin, and he loved having fun. And you can tell that with uh, he and Kathy Lee and he and Kelly. Yep. Um, you know, Kathy Lee and he are about the same age. Well, Kathy's a little bit younger, but Kelly was so much younger than him, but yet they were able to um, bond and have that uh, – was able to sink – uh, their show and and did well with it, and I just think and, and and his wife Joy, I just think that he was just one of those people that if you saw him on the street, he wouldn't have any problem um, coming up and talking to you and have a conversation. Right, right. right. And he is always big on, <coughs> excuse me, he was always big on talking about Notre Dame. And uh, as a matter of fact, they just buried him at Notre Dame this week. Yep, yep, that's what I saw. Absolutely. And and so he was big into Notre Dame. And so he was just one of those TV personalities that was just awesome. Yep. You know, yep. ap- after the first year or so of I Want to Be a Millionaire, I just couldn't watch. I couldn't watch it anymore. It was too slow. Because if you, if you think about it and an hour show, they only ask about six questions. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, right. six questions right. in an hour. You know, I, you, Wayne, you know me. I, I, hell, I don't even watch baseball more anymore because <laughs> it's too damn slow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Regis was one of those guys that was uh, very endearing uh, to TV and been around for probably five or six decades in, in TV yep. itself. Absolutely. Okay. Um, the next memorial goes to somebody that a lot of people don't don't know, but we know of him through his pictures. And that is Paul Fusco. And uh, he was famous for shooting video and pictures of color pictures of Robert Kennedy's funeral train that went across the country and made its way to Arlington uh, National Cemetery. And he shot maybe 1,800 to 2,000 slides of people just standing on the tracks and around the tracks as as Robert Kennedy's funeral train passed through. And you could see every part of society in that moment. You saw people that were dressed up, dressed to the nines, to the to kids that were barefooted, dirty ragamuffins yep. that were standing there saluting his 
his uh, funeral train as it went by. Black, white, Latino, uh, Asian. And it shows you the last, really the last of the people that brought the country together. Yeah. Because after he had died, the country started splitting. And he was the last, he was the last of the uh, people that, that forged civil rights in this country. And, uh, of course, shortly after that, then we had uh, Richard Nixon that became the president. And, of course, he did the Southern strategy to, uh, you know, draw people and separate the the races and so on. But, yeah, Paul Fusco uh, was famous for shooting those film and and, uh, pictures from the funeral train of Robert Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he also shot some um, some some work on um, on what happened after Chernobyl. Yep. Uh, um, the Chernobyl legacy. Yep. And then there was a, a grape strike uh, in California. He shot some uh, some photos of that that were famous as well. So uh, it's amazing, man. A lot of these photo. I guess he can be considered a photojournalist. You know, a lot of the pictures. That we remember. Uh, I remember that those photos from Robert Kennedy's funeral train. I mean, it was it was very poignant that uh, you saw people from all walks of life out there watching that train, and it it went in line with you know the way Robert Kennedy lived his life, what he stood for. So uh, people you know came out uh, all backgrounds, like you said. Uh, whatever their statue they were out there to remember this great man and those photos captured that so yeah. uh, another part of the essence of this country that uh, you know you know it, one, it is one, what it is you know one thing to say with this and I want to add to it Wayne is that is that Robert Kennedy came from wealth yep he came from old school money however he didn't live his life that way nope that's why that's why so many people came out, the poor, you know, the the affluent, uh, the middle class. He was able to connect to all of them because he wasn't the, that that kid that grew up in the Kennedy family that was, you know, I was born with a I'm born with a silver spoon in my mouth and I'm going to do this because my daddy did this for me or I right. inherited this money. I mean, he had to work his he had to work his butt off to make that that uh, that transition from you know that that kid from you know uh, the Boston area to right. you know working in Congress and working for his brother and so on. So yeah, he was he was a common man. He was the last of the of the rich really wealthy people that connected all parts of society. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think he may have became president had not been for him being assassinated because yep. I, I think the people, uh, the people could see that this dude is for real, man. He really cares about the people. And I think had not history, um, you know, um, did what what the course of history took place with his life? I think he would have he would assume the presidency, but we will never know. Um, so we just have to remember the great work that he did while uh, he was here, and uh, and and keep keep it moving. Yep. All right, and the last person that we want to talk about that's in memorial uh, within the last day is Herman Cain. Herman Cain. What are your thoughts with Mr. Cain there, Wayne? Oh, man. Nine, nine, nine. Man. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Nine, nine, nine. You know, that was that was his thing. Uh, uh, running for the presidency. Uh, uh, didn't didn't make it dropped out of the race. And, uh, I, you know, we were talking before we came on the air. You, you're you feel bad um, because of what happened to him. And I saw something um, the day he passed. I was um, just scrolling through Facebook. Uh, my sister, somebody sent me sent me a couple of blurbs, and I was scrolling. And, and people post all kind of things out there. And some guy he posted this um, this little quip that was on there, and it said, "Herman Cain: colon, There is no pandemic." And the <laughs> next line said, "Pandemic: colon." There is no Herman Cain. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, 
That's and the guy even said, he said, I feel bad about posting this. He said, but, you know, you cannot deny that this virus is for real. If this doesn't prove to you that this is real, he was at a rally in Tulsa, no mask, no social distancing. And the next thing you know, he's got COVID-19. And so you feel bad, man, because, you know, one of the deniers that this is not real and this type of thing. And now you're dead. So that's the sad thing about this man. I think overall he was a good man. Um, you know, he, he was a businessman, you know, made his way in the business world. A lot of people thought his 999 plan was, was, was you know, had merit to it. But uh, the fact, man, that you left this world and you didn't have to. That's the sad thing about it. If you just worn a mask and paid attention to things, you'd probably still be alive. So, yeah, and, um, you know, condolences to, to to he and his family. But it didn't it didn't have to be this way, man. Yeah, it didn't have he, to be. And he had fought. He had battled cancer and gotten by it. Yep. Yeah. And then after that, after that struggle, he goes to Tulsa and then hangs around with folks with no mask on and comes yep. down with it. Yeah. And so, you know he fought cancer for several years and only took a few weeks for uh, COVID to, right. uh, to take him out. Right. Right. You know, but yeah, he, his nine, nine, nine plan was when he ran for president in 2012, I think it yep. was. And, um, gosh, I think it was a uh, payroll tax of nine, nine percent, mm-hmm. yep. uh, capital gains, a state tax of nine percent. And then, uh, federal income tax yep, yep. of nine percent. So, yep. you know, he wanted to, you know, cut taxes on everybody, but you know, the federal government's not going to be able to survive with that. So, no. you know, maybe that was his plan. You know, yeah. I, I, I know yeah. that some folks want to uh, get rid of the federal government, but that's just not going to happen. So, but yeah, Herman Cain, he was also the um, the CEO, president of Godfather's Pizza for a short yeah. while, yeah. in which I've only had Godfather's Pizza a couple times. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's 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 gone, and yeah. you know yeah. his his legacy uh, will be. I don't know if there'll be an asterisk by his name or not. They're gonna say Herman Cain did all these things, and the thing that's gonna he's gonna be remembered for is getting COVID, which yeah. is sad. It is. It is. It's, you know? it's it's very sad. It's very sad because he he did not have to go out like that. And uh, you just you know, it, I don't know, man, people. I don't know what it's going to take to make people believe. I don't know what it's going to take to make people believe that this is real, man, that the virus does not care. Don't play. And, uh, you know, you can play around and, you know, you got people still don't want to wear masks. They don't want to social distance. They want everything to be hunky dory like it was before. And the virus is, is hoping. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and play your games. I'm coming. I'm still mm-hmm. coming. And so, again, sad, sad, sad state of affairs that uh, Mr. Kane is no longer with us. But, uh, you know, what can you say, man? What can you say? Okay. Yes, sir. All right, all right. Uh, let's uh, change gears here. Let's, uh, as you use the term, let's segue. Segue. Into um, talking about the uh, legacy of John Lewis. Yes, and yes. And that is, you know, he was laid to rest uh, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, I think it was. I think yes. it was yesterday. Yeah, I believe it was yesterday. Y- yesterday. And... Uh, deserved uh, tour of this country, you know, uh, for someone to be an 18-year-old to dedicate his life to uh, civil rights and voting rights and so on, uh, he deserved to go across Edmund Pettus Bridge. He deserved to lay in the uh, state house of uh, Alabama. He deserved to be in the state capitol. He deserved to um, lay at the Ebenezer Baptist Church where he married his 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 wife. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't think that there are legends out there. A lot of people 
don't believe that somebody like uh, John Lewis um, did what he did. And for his time on this earth, it was all positive. Yep. Yep. And we deserve to show him the respect that this man did to help this nation out. You know? No, I totally agree, man. It was, uh, I, I did get a chance to watch the service. You know, three living presidents, actually four living presidents. Um, you know, Jimmy Carter couldn't attend because of, you know, his age and some fragility associated with that. Uh, but he did send in sentiments uh, for the service. And then three living presidents were in attendance. And that just, man, you know, people paying homage. You're receiving homage from that level. And you were a humble guy, started out poor in a small town in Alabama, and you've risen to a level as as you're a congressman uh, in the United States of America. Uh, that just tells you, man, that um, what is the old saying? You know, people don't believe that dreams come true. If you if you don't look at me, you know, and uh, I had an opportunity today to watch his movie. Uh, it's called Good Trouble. And if yep. you get a chance, check that out. But uh it was man it was just like, wow, this this guy laid his life on the line, man. And uh, as my wife and I were talking this weekend, as we reflected back on his life and I, I'd like to get your thoughts on it, man. It's like when, when you look at what he did as a young kid, 18, 19 years old, you know, out there on the front lines for civil rights, voting rights, spoke at the March on Washington. He's the last living uh, last person who spoke at the March, March on Washington, he was the last person um, to be living that did that. Now he's passed. But you look at his life, what he did, the sacrifices he made. My wife and I were saying is like when when you when you look at this, how can you, as a black person in this country, how can you not feel that you owe? You you need to respect yourself and you need to show respect to each other. How how does that escape you? I, I just like to know if you feel that same way. I feel very strongly about that, that how can we look at John Lewis's life and not say we have to do better? We can do better. Uh, your thoughts. I agree with you 100 percent. You know, this 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 man, you know, died at age 80 and for basically 68 years, his life was a testament of his beliefs in nonviolence and civil protest, civil disobedience, and doing what's right for the people. Mm-hmm. That's all this is this all this experiment about democracy should be about is doing what's right for the people. And if you do that, Things are going to work out for you. And John Lewis, even though that he he always talked about, you know, good trouble, mm-hmm. is that when you think about laying your life down on for an issue, that's a lot different. You know, you know, you and I, we were both in the military. And, you know, when we were sworn in to defend the Constitution of the United States, you know, I. I about halfway through, I took a pause and, and thought for a second, like, damn, I could lose my life by being in the United States Coast Guard. Right, right. Well, he was never in the Coast Guard. He was never in the military. And he was out there doing this thing as a civilian. Right. You know, fighting against oppression, fighting against uh uh, 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 not against civil rights, but fighting for civil rights. You know, at age 18, most 18-year-olds don't even know what the hell they want to do these days. And he, at the, uh, you know, American Baptist uh, seminar down there in um, Nashville, was thrown right into the middle of all that. And so he was never, um, he at that point, he was never looking back on what he felt this country should do for the people. Right. You know, he knew that it wasn't right for people to um, not be able to vote, people not to be able to uh, live in a certain neighborhood or whatever. 
he knew all those things was right, and he put his life on the line. You know, at Edmund Pettus, uh, the Freedom Rides, you know, he's, he was uh, jailed over 40 times, arrested over 40 yep. times in his life. Yep. yep. You know, and uh, it takes it takes a lot of faith and it takes a lot of um, tenacity to do what he did. And the surprising thing is that there was a whole lot of people out there that believed and in, in, in did the same thing. But for for his for himself, John Lewis, um, he was he was the last living legacy of that era in which, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the common good. Right, 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 right. Outstanding, man. Well said. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, a life well lived and uh, rest in power. Uh, Mr. John Lewis, man, it was it was a marvelous week. And um, I, the service, it was just moving, man. It was just moving the tributes, the words that, that were said about him. It was just, it was outstanding, man. And, and again, he deserved every accolade that he received um, during the whole time um, that the country honored him. So uh, let, let it be said, and we have to, you know, as I mentioned, four living U.S. presidents offered accolades. And it was quite noticeable that the current occupant had nothing to say, um, offered nothing. And to me, man, it just tells you, matter of fact, no one from the White House was present at the service. And to me, that's just a, it tells you the type of people we have in the government, man, yeah. that you, you can't send someone from the White House to honor this man. Um, granted, Pence did go up to the Capitol when he was lying in state in the Capitol. But at the service, you've got four living U.S. presidents offering um, condolences and remarks, and no one from the current White House is present. It just tells you the type of individuals that are leading our government right now, and it's piss poor, in my opinion. So hell, even Ben Carson's <laughs> ass didn't even show up. Yeah, yeah, he, and, and, you know, and he's it, the only fly in the sugar bowl in that right. administration. Right, and, and he and, didn't and, even show up. Right, and you know, your the things you did as a neurosurgeon and whatnot. Man, you wouldn't been able to do a fraction of that had not it been for the sacrifices John Lewis made. Exactly. You know, he would and, not be able to get into the schools that he's oh, able to get in. No. He wouldn't be able to get the positions that he was able to get. Ooh. He wouldn't be able to be in the in the jobs that he did to be a neurosurgeon. It right. wouldn't have happened without John Lewis. Happened. Right. So to to not send anyone there to pay respects to this great man, to me it was piss poor. And it, I mean, it just shows the type of individuals that are leading our government right now. And it, it, it just it reeks of I don't know what the word is, but it, it was piss poor leadership, in my opinion. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> we, we can go on about 35. Oh, podcasts yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, we, we ain't going to divert uh, no more uh, of these airwaves uh, to these to these people, man. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, all right. That's Mr. John Lewis. Rest in power, as you said. Yes. Uh, let's let's change. Let's make a change here. We're coming up on the anniversary of the ratification of the Nineteenth Amendment. Yes. I think ne- not next week, but August eighteenth. I think it is. Hey, you may be, be correct. I think uh, the century. A century. Hundred years, ago, yeah. hundred years ago, on August the eighteenth, the civil—not civil rights—the Voting Rights Amendment, women's voting rights, was passed. Yeah. Which it took probably fifty some years prior to that when it first kind of started, and so fifty years of fifty years in which they women uh, wanted the power to vote, suffrage, and 1848, somewhere around there or so, they started to uh, look into uh, voting rights. And and there's a few things that kind of interrupted stuff, like something like the Civil War. And then after the Civil War, the um, 13th and 14th and 15th Amendment was passed, in which there was 
pros and cons on either side. Some women said that we shouldn't because it didn't do enough because women weren't involved that supported the 15th Amendment, which was voting rights. And some women said, well, we should support voting rights. So there's several different women's groups that uh, had one thing in common. That was to um, have women to um, uh, be able to to vote. And so there's a whole list of ladies, you know, um, Susan B. Anthony, uh, Elizabeth Canton Stanton, um, Alice Paul. There's a whole bunch that yeah. that that formed uh, organizations that gave women uh, that pursued women the right to vote. Yep. Yep. And um, like you mentioned, Mandy, uh, you know, was born out of the women's suffrage movement. And, and my wife and I are talking about this, too. Even though women were granted the right to vote by the 19th Amendment, it didn't necessarily include black women. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Of course not. That, that, that didn't happen until, uh, if my memory is correct, till the Voting Rights Act uh, was passed uh, when black women actually got the right to vote that white women had for, what, 40-some years prior? Yep. You know, um, so it's again, it's it's one of those things, man, that, you know, the, the language in the 19th Amendment is that uh, the government should not deny the right to vote to citizens of the U.S. on the basis of sex. So we're not black women citizens of the United States. Why were they not included in that? So, you know, again, we, we've talked about this. Uh, and we, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole tonight, but the, the crux of everything that's happening right now, this is another example. This is, these are the things that John Lewis fought for, man. It's like, we just want America to live up to its creed. That's it. We want America to live up to the language, the promises that it's been made, that have been made. And a lot of these documents live up to your creed. That's it. So, you know, grateful the 19th amendment was passed, but, it did not include our sisters out there, and they did not get that right till almost some forty some years later when the Voting Rights Act would pass. So, yeah, just want to want to throw that out there. So, in case people get a little confused, like wait, wait, all women could vote? Nope, that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It is. All women can vote. Well, not exactly. Right. <laughs> not, right. not exactly. Not, not for sure until 1965. 1965, the Voting Rights Act was passed. Yeah. In which John Lewis, yes. John Lewis, was a main uh, contributor to that yep. because yep. of wanting to uh, have the folks to have the right to vote. Right. So, right. yeah. Yep. yep. And just think of today, most of the people that 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 vote today, the ones that that were responsible for getting the Democratic nominee into his position was black women. Yep. You know, so in a matter of um, uh, 50 years, they've gone from not being able to vote at all to now uh, being a major voting bloc. Yep. They always show up, man. Always in force. With the exception of a few folks like Trixie and, you know, those folks over there. So, (laughs) but yeah, women are, women are, are, are becoming major uh, leaders in this country. Now, Uh, each year, more and more women are are nominated and are elected to uh, Congress and the Senate and, and so on. So, a um, hundred years ago, you're coming up on the 18th, uh, the Voting Rights Act was, uh, the voting, not the Voting Rights Act, uh, the Suffrage Amendment, the 19th Amendment was passed, yep. in yep. which uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, was responsible for doing that, even though that he did not want to do it his, his first term in office. And, um, you know, these women did a lot of things like the current the uh, civil rights movement. They went on hunger strikes. They did marches. Yeah. You know, um, uh, hell, there was a uh, over in England. There were people that wanted the right to vote, and they did stuff like jumping out in front of the Queen's horse on a racetrack and stuff, man. <laughs> you know, and so these women were were definitely responsible for changing the narrative about 
voting rights for sure. Yep, yep. But if you, if you think about it, you know, voting, voting is to me that defines that to me that's the pinnacle of your citizenship. The fact that you get to cast a ballot and have some say in what goes on in your government, to me that's the pinnacle of citizenship. You know, and uh, we, we now it's under, you know, they still not have, well, the Supreme Court gutted uh, the current Voting Rights Act, and it has not been extended because our dear friend uh, Moscow Mitch is holding it up. It's been on his desk now for, what, uh, two months or something like that? Yeah, yeah. You know, so you, you, you say you for the people— you know, the government is by the people, of the people, for the people, et cetera, but that ain't happening. And so if, if, if you want to be true to your creed, everyone should be allowed to participate in this thing called democracy. And, and having the right to vote, to me, is the pinnacle of that. Yeah. And so why, why are we so concerned with stopping people from voting, man? I, I just don't get it. I know why, but it still does not make sense. It yeah, and, and, sense. And, and Moscow Mitch is holding it up because the parts that the the um, uh, Supreme Court gutted on a 5-4 decision was the fact that the federal government can go down and make sure that, you know, things weren't gerrymandered. Right. Uh, they didn't have any... Uh, undue burden on the people to vote and so on. So they just threw that out. And so those states that had um, were under the um, guidance of the federal government, federal courts to make sure they do the right thing. And as soon as they got rid of that, as soon as they got rid of that, those states started to pass laws to restrict voting for in particular minorities. Yep. Yep. Minorities, um, poor people, uh, Hispanics. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it does. It's targeted in man, and so thankfully, there's a lot of people out there now that are on watch. Um, the the organization that Stacey Abrams is a part of, LeBron James, other athletes, uh, they've got some act- initiatives going on to make sure that people do get in. In fact. They're going to vote uh, in this upcoming election. So hopefully the the underhanded crap that's going on is going to be nullified. And uh, this is going to be the way it should be. Everybody getting their opportunity to participate in democracy with no hindrances. So yeah. let, let's let's pray that that happens, my friend. Let's pray that that happens. That's, that's it. That's it. So I, I do have a question uh, yes, sir. to segue a bit. You we, we were talking about how black women show up. Uh, to vote. Uh, We've got a decision coming up this week or an announcement coming up soon uh, from the current uh, Democratic nominee for the presidency. He is going to pick a VP candidate. And uh, the noise, the chatter is that he may end up picking a black woman to be his running mate. Um, Do you have any ideas on who, if possibly he does that, who you would like that person to be? Any of them. To be honest, <laughs> well, here's my thinking on it. Um, he may ch- he may be selecting someone because of their uh, regional um, relationship to, from the south. Um, I'm, I'm thinking he may be looking for somebody that has experience at the national level experience with national security. He has a whole host of things that he needs to um, go through. And I think he's, I think he's really having a hard time on who to select (laughs) right now because it's getting, it's getting close. You know, he's supposed to make a selection within the next week or so. Yep. Yep. So my thoughts are if I, there's three that stand out to me. It could be a fourth one, but um, as far as um, national security advice, Susan Rice would be good. Um, I think that they would have a tougher time with Susan Rice because she was supposedly tied to Benghazi and all that bull crap that the uh, Republicans went after her. And, of course, they found out there's absolutely nothing that that. They did wrong at Benghazi. 
Uh, Kamala Harris would be a logical case, a logical choice because, you know, she's been in the Senate. I think that she would be a good vice president. I think that uh, she is from California, and I think California is going to be locked up with Biden anyway. Right, right. So that it could be a negative. Um, Stacey Abrams would be a wonderful one. I think that she has all the qualifications. They say that maybe she's not, you know, doesn't have the national security um, um, experience. But I think she's very, very bright. I think that she would uh, step forward. I think that she I think that she could be a tough mother. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I think she would be a good choice. And then the one that I really like, I really like Val Demings in Florida, because I think either Georgia or Florida are going to be kind of swing states, you know, if they yeah, can yeah. win one of those two in particular, Florida, since Val Dennings from Florida, she's got, she's got a law enforcement background. Okay. Uh, she's going to get some votes from Florida and I think she's very bright. I think she, she's, she's tough as well, especially with that law enforcement background. And I think that she would work well with, um, with Joe, all of them will work well with Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Susan yeah. Rice would be a good one. Elizabeth Warren would be good as well. You know, yeah. I think yep. that. You know, I I think that if he chose Elizabeth Warren, I think that there may be some of our folks that would say, "I ain't voting," because yep. he didn't choose somebody black, and yep. I, I think that's one thing that he's that's going to be. That would be a tough choice. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, I can't think of any others right now, but those are my choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren would, you know, in my opinion, I think she would probably be the best. But yeah. um, I think the, the 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 chatter is, hey, uh, South Carolina was Biden's turning point. Black folks put you up on the top, man. You owe us something. That's just how it is. You yeah. owe us something. And the fact that black women show up, they show out, um, you know, I think the community is looking for, hey, you need to pick a sister to be your partner. Uh, but I like Elizabeth Warren, man. I, Elizabeth Warren would be excellent, but yeah. I don't think she's going to get the nod. I, I like I, I agree with you that Kamala um, is a, to me. She's probably going to be the logical pick. Uh, I like Kamala. I like um, Stacey Abrams. I like Val Demings. Uh, the one other name that's being floated out there, there's two other names being floated, is mm -hmm. uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta. Yep. Uh, she's been in the news lately uh, with the corona and the way she's held her own and managed that city. Uh, she's getting some um, some airplay as a possible candidate. And then Karen Bass. Karen Bass, yeah. Karen Bass is is getting some um, some looks. So he, yeah, he he's got a tough decision, man. I don't envy him at all. Yeah. And um, hopefully uh, he's he's done his vetting and uh, he's talked to people that um, are giving him sound advice. And uh, we'll know here probably in a few days. Uh, as to who it's going to be, I think I, I still think it's going to be a week or so. Yeah I, yeah, I think it is. I think that right now, uh, his ass is puckering up pretty good. Oh, right now. oh, oh! Trust me, yeah. You know, because he, he whoever <laughs> whoever he picks, of course, uh, the other side's going to, um, you know, throw out the negatives. Of course, of course, of course. Um, you know, they have to have somebody to hate. Always. So, always. yeah, but uh, always. But the but the thing about any of the women that you've mentioned, they can go toe to toe with anybody on the other side. They've they've proven that yeah. they can go toe to toe with anybody over there and they're not going to back down from anybody either. So they're not going to shy away when you start throwing mud. They're going to throw it right back at you. <laughs> and uh, and that's even Elizabeth Warren. She could hold her own if, if oh, yeah. she was to be the pick. She could hold her own. Yep. But um, I don't think anybody 
from that camp is going to mess with Kamala Harris. They're not going to mess with Val Demons, and they damn sure ain't going to mess with Stacey Abrams. I mean, so they, they, they can do all they want, man, but these are some powerful women that can hold their own. And they can go toe to toe with anybody that the other side wants to wants to throw out or crap they want to throw out. They can dish it and and throw it right back at them. So it's going to yeah. be good. It's yeah. going to be it, good. It's, it's, it will be interesting to see the VP um, debate. Oh, absolutely. Because you got Pap on <laughs> one side who is nothing more than a bootlicker. <laughs> And then you're going to have these powerful women that's been in the trenches that, you know, has stood up for that's right. uh, folks' rights and so on. Yeah. You know, and that that would be a pretty good one, because whatever he says, uh, the only thing they have to say is, well, why didn't you do that? Right. If you knew right. that he was tweeting this, why didn't right. you stop him? Right. Yeah. You, you, you know, so his, yeah. his his excuse is going to be, well, I am the vice president and the yeah. president. Yeah. And, you know, under the leadership, watch this. Under How many times will we say under the leadership of yeah. President, you yeah. know, dumbass? Yeah, yeah. He, he to me, man, all they got to do is say, you have endorsed every crooked, underhanded thing this guy said by being silent. <laughs> That's all they got to say, man. Yeah, what and, about your uh, Christian beliefs on this? Yeah, yeah, your Christian beliefs now. Let's talk about your Christian beliefs now because you've endorsed every crooked thing this guy has done, illegal, whatever. You've endorsed it by being silent. Yeah. So it's going to be good. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. This The VP debate is going to be even better than the presidential debate because I think the current occupant is going to punk out. He's going to punk out, man. He does not want to debate Biden. That's just my. Uh, no, I think I, I think just the opposite. You really? Be- oh, yeah, because he gets to get up there and just talk. You know what yeah. I say? M- MSU. Have I told you about MSU? No, no. MSU. I use that term all the time, which means making shit up. Oh, so, oh, like he, that. oh, he would, he would love. To, he, he's, he can't wait for the debates. I'm telling you that right now. He cannot wait for the debates well, because all he can do is talk a bunch of nonsense and try to score points by, by trying to be cute. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the the thing that, <laughs> the thing that 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 Biden has to do is counter whatever he says. With the truth. That's it. That's you know? It. And so when he starts talking about I'm the law and order president, let's see now. How many people have gone to jail under your administration? How right. about that law and order? Right. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's the law and order? How many of your buddies have you let let go? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 am, uh, I am tough on China. You don't say anything about China. Well, how about you supporting, you know, President Xi and his idea of basically taking control of uh, Hong Kong? Yep. Or become yep. president for life. Well, yep. you know, he's got all these things. And, and if, if and I hope that 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 Biden comes back and cuts him a cuts him a good one. on those I think things. he will. I think he will. I think he will. I, I, Biden is smart enough. He's been around long enough, man. I, I think he, he if, if they do and my man don't punk out. And he shows up, like you said, Biden's going to run circles around him, man. Oh, he'll show up. He's going to show up. There's yeah. no doubt about that. He's, yeah. He can't wait. He's licking his chop yeah. because that's, he's going to have a national audience. Yeah. And if he does, if he does well, it's going to pull, it's going to suck a few people back to his, to his yeah. side. Well, and I, I, now, man, you're in a hole, dude. You, you, 155, almost 160,000 people have died on your watch. I mean, we got tapes of all the stupid stuff you've said, all the lies you've told. I mean, it's like for four years, you haven't done anything. And you haven't I, done anything. I know. I know. Oh. But I, I, I'm a firm believer that, man, you know, you you can sugarcoat a turd <laughs> and that damn turd. You can put flour on it. You can bake it. <laughs> you put it in the toilet. That son bitch is going to float back up to the oh, top. Oh, man. I'm, I, I'm telling you, Ooh. we cannot. People cannot be, cannot assume that he's going to lose. Right, right. I mean, right. The, the only way to really put him down like a dog is to beat him up. Yep, yep. You know, and yep. uh, that has to happen. Yeah. And that, that, that'll beat him up, which will shut him up. 
Yeah. But I'm a firm believer that you can't trust this guy. He'll do anything to to win. And there are people out there that will tell you one thing and say, hey, man, this guy's an idiot. And they're going to go right back up in there and vote for him. Yeah, you're right. Regardless, regardless whatever type of horrible human being that he is, they're going to go back up there and vote for him. You're you know, right. this is this is funny. Lynn and I were at uh, went out to a, a couple of friends lake house uh, a couple weekends ago. And there were some other people out there that were fairly conservative. I mean, I knew they were. They had always been. And so this gives you their type of thinking. First of all, <laughs> next is that. um when we went out to this little lake house, you should have seen all the current occupants' flags flying on their balconies, okay? Wow. And so one of the uh, people there brought up something about Native Americans. Now, this is how – I shouldn't say this. He, he'll probably never listen to my podcast. But this is how stupid he is. He, he says – well, these people that they want to change uh, uh, Native American names because and so on. And I, Lynn and I didn't say anything. We just let stupidity talk. So now he says, well, you know, they changed the name of the Washington Redskins. You know, they just call them the Washington. Now they're going to make all the all the Indians. I wanted to say Native Americans. Now he's going to make all the Indians change their names. And I want to say. Are you stupid? If they're called the Algonquins, what are they going to start calling themselves? The Jimmy Joe Smiths? Right. <laughs> if if they're known as the Navajo, what are they going to call themselves? The 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 Nate Tolsons? Yeah, yeah. That's that's how they think. That's how some people think. In that, suddenly because they want to change a derogatory name to something else, they just assume they're going to change all of the Indian names and make them, he, that, that makes sense. Wow. And I just wanted, I just wanted to scream and I just, Lynn looked at me and I looked at her and we just kind of shook our heads. Wow. And the, and the people that were hosting, they kind of said something, you know, and we just, we just said, I'm not, I'm not even going to touch this because you can't be that stupid. Right. Right. You know? Wow. But, that's what's going to happen. You know, those yeah. people are going to vote. Wow. You know, even yeah. though he's a con man, even though he's a criminal, even though he's doing all the wrong things, they're still going to vote for him because it's the party, not the country that's important to them. Well, and, and, and you know, you, 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 you keep this white dude in the White House. He might be the dumbest white dude there is. You keep him in the White House and they give you a feel good feeling, you know, um, when if you really care about the country and, and that's a oh, gosh, man, I, I mean, I don't even want to debate it, man, <laughs> because the you, you people obviously you don't care about the country. You don't you could give a rat's ass about the country if you want this fool back in office for four more years. Uh, I'm sorry. You don't care anything about this country. So yeah. and that that's one of his lines. He's like, these people don't care about America. They're not patriot. Well, you know, we could flip the script and all these people that are voting for you blindly. We could say the same thing. They care nothing about this country. Yeah. Only the fact that that you stay in power and you're an idiot and you're corrupt. And that's OK. As long as we got our boy in the White House, it's all good. Yep. So that that's that's my view on it, man. And it's it's sad. That's that's the state of affairs in which we find ourselves. And it's why people have to go out and vote. Like you say, he needs to be beat down. He needs to be beat down. So there is no it, this is clear. You lost. And so people got to get out and vote, man. They got to vote as if your life depended on it because it truly does <laughs> it does <laughs> truly does not, not if it does <laughs> it does your life depends on it yes sir yes yep. sir yeah all right all right we got just one other little quick topic that we want to touch on yeah. today and that is uh with a lot of people a lot of school systems going to virtual learning and remote learning and so on we want to talk about uh, the use of broadband I mean the, and, and or the lack of broadband throughout the country. 
What are your thoughts there, my friend? Oh, wow. Um, I, we were talking, you know, before we came on the air, um, I saw this story this morning on uh, CBS Sunday Morning. And they were talking about, you know, how broadband, how important broadband is now in the age of the pandemic. Half the country does not have broadband access. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, there are people in these little rural communities that have no Internet access. I mean, you're literally caught, cut off from the world by not having Internet. Right. And now that the pandemic has, as you mentioned, it has shifted the educational model in this country. There are a lot of kids who are at a disadvantage if you live in one of these areas because you you don't have Internet access. So how are you supposed to keep up with your education um, keep track of what's going on around you when you're deprived of one of the probably the major way people get their information that is via the Internet and yeah. you're locked out of that. Yeah. So I just thought it was it was eye opening that, you know, we can't address this problem, that there is no Internet in a huge portion of this country. And we we seem to find money for all these other things. But this to me is like. This is a this is a this is to me is a crisis thing, man. People don't have internet access. It's, yeah, it's we're the United States is one of the lower countries on the bandwagon as far as when it comes to internet access. Wow. You know, lots of countries like Korea, South Korea, everybody has yep. you know five G. Yep. You know, yep. and so on. And yep. if I remember correctly, um, President Obama tried to get. Um, Part of his infrastructure uh, package passed was to provide, you know, broadband access across the country. But, of course, our friend Moscow Mitch yep. decided that he didn't want to do that simply because, you know, President Obama yep. kind of said that. Yep, that was and one anything of that he, Anything that he says that is, is going to yep. be wrong. Yep. But, you know, states like, you know, if you're on the East Coast— if you're in Boston, if you're in New York, you're in New, New Hampshire, you're in um, Maine, Rhode Island, because all those areas are, are very small states. And the cities, they have larger cities in those smaller states. And so uh, access to broadband is easier. Yep. Come to the state of Indiana. Indiana is larger than most of the states on the East Coast combined. So when you get outside of Marion County, Indianapolis area, and the donut counties outside of there, then broadband falls off the earth because you have some of these little school school systems that has K through 12, and that's the entire county in one building. Right, right. You know, as opposed to, you know, the township that I'm in. There's over 140,000 people that live in, within just our township. And there's nine townships in Indianapolis. Wow. And so there's 16, over 16,000 students that's in our township itself. And wow. we're one-to-one from the sixth grade through high school by providing them access to the Internet. And K through 12, I mean, K through five is a little bit different, but probably within the next year or so, they'll be one uh, one to one all the way K through 12. But there's plenty of access in Indianapolis. However, there are certain households in Indianapolis, in our township, that cannot afford Internet access. Right, right. Okay, so our township is... Uh, we start school, we were supposed to start at school last Wednesday, on Wednesday. We're going to, we were delayed to start, we're going to start school, uh, next Wednesday, um, remote for the middle school, high school, and then in person for elementary school with, you know, social distancing and numbers being lower. So the very first thing that we're going to do is to get them hooked up and see who has internet access. And if they don't have internet access, we're going to provide them with a hotspot where they can get internet access. Anybody that doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the first homework assignment 
is to find out if they can get online. If they can't get online, we're going to provide them a way of getting online by mm. having these AT&T hotspots sent out to them. All right. That's great, man. That That is great. Uh, and that's the story of this morning. That That's what was going on. Um, this was a community, a little community in Oregon. This was the focus of this story. And this lady, you know, she's like, there's no broadband. And so she had to drive to the parking lot of a Taco Bell. <laughs> and she said, Taco Bell. And like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then the, the 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 schools in the communities, what they did, they were they were driving buses and parking the buses uh, outside the schools with hotspots on the buses. Yeah. So the kids, if they didn't have access, but a lot of it is a lot of a lot of families cannot afford broadband access, man. Yeah. And that's you know we 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 got them. We got I don't know, man. We we got to do better, man. To to make things available to people, you know? It's shameful. It's it shameful is. that every American doesn't have free broadband access. Yeah, it, it's, free. it's appalling. Yeah, it's appalling. You know, these these companies are making buku bucks. And when it comes to something basic, I mean, it's, it's like you say, it's shameful, man. It's shameful. And it's going to help them, too, because right. just think about it. With this COVID going on right now, it's the younger kids that are going to be left out. And so yep. they're going to be lagging behind because they're going to be behind because so many uh, uh, years going to go by that they're going to have to catch up on. Right. Right. So you're you're losing or you're possibly losing future people that can work for you simply because they don't have the access to broadband. So they're going to be, just think if you, you miss a year of school because of COVID, then you're not going to get that year back. Nope. You know, no matter how hard you try. You're yeah. Not and, if, and if you have it again the next year, so you miss another half a year, right. that's a year and a half that you're missing. Right. And right. so that's a year and a half that people aren't going to be filling those jobs in the future. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The, the Internet is a necessity now, man. It used to be you, you, in the, you know, years before you could not really need it. But now the Internet is a necessity, man. Oh, it's it's a public utility is what it, it is. It is. It's a public and, utility. And, and they should treat it as as so, yep. you know, um, uh, going back to uh, who was it? Franklin Roosevelt, um, the um, the New Deal. Yep. I mean, think of the number of people he put to work uh, in Civil Conservation Corps. Yeah, the CCC. Okay. Yeah, yep. the CCC and um, the Rural Electrification. Yeah, I think there the was a rural, yep. Yeah, yep. and the the WPA put people to work, and yep. so you can you can put people to work building transmission towers all over the country. Yeah. So why why can't we do that? <laughs> Because, I mean, why can't we do I'll that? I'll tell you. I'll tell you why, Wayne. Because <laughs> because big tech wants to continue to make profit, and since big tech continue wants to continue to make profit, they have money in the pockets of senators. Wow. They have money in the pockets of congressmen, mostly senators, and they don't they don't want everybody to get that free. Because if they do, then they're going to lose money, and if they lose money, they're not going to be able to pay their share their shareholders dividends and so anything that goes on that has a negative connotation for the most part it starts with moscow mitch in the senate because they'll pass they can pass it in the house gets over to the senate and moscow mitch is going to sit on it because he's in the pocket of big big business right, right. yeah it's shameful man it is it's beyond shameful that, uh, you know, you you flash back. I mean, you name three major initiatives that transform this country, man. And we're, we're at a we're on, we're on the cusp of we need we need some rejuvenation in this country, man. Absolutely. And projects like that, putting people to work to build, you know, more pipes to give people Internet access or, you know, 5G. The U.S. is behind the 5G bandwagon they're behind like you said a lot of asian countries already there i mean we could put people to work doing these things and it's just it's shameful that you know the people who can make it happen are not for the people they are truly for themselves yes and at some point i'm hoping that 
we realize this and get rid of these people and put some people in there who are truly about the needs of the people, man. I, I don't know if we'll ever get there, but that's what we need. And, um, you know, this this thing is just the fact that the U.S. is supposedly we're one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We're this, we're that, the greatest this or that. And half your country is cut off from the Internet. Uh, please. <laughs> please. Yep. So. All right, my brother. This has been uh, another good conversation. Good, good combo. You know, we, yes. we got the we got the Indy uh, Colorado Springs connection back on tracks uh, again this week. Uh, I enjoy our conversations. I think we talk about issues that are pertinent uh, yep. to yep. our community. You know, the same thing that goes that we're talking about here goes on in our hometown. We haven't mentioned Elizabethtown, Kentucky for a while. But uh, E-Town is, you know, going through the same the same growing pains that most of the world is. And, you know, us growing up in a small town like Elizabethtown, you know, and the uh, the way our parents and our community uh, in which we were raised uh, has provided us with the. uh, uh, self-confidence to move on and to uh, think of, 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 of better ways of life and uh, better ways of surviving and wanting to, uh, wanting to give back. Okay. And I believe it or not, man, I really think that, you know, us doing what we do on Sunday nights is, is kind of giving back. If not, it's at least putting a footprint out there that somebody could, could follow someday. So oh, yeah, yeah our, I thoughts, mean, our thoughts with the cross the track is all that. Right, right. I think we we made it clear from the get go, man. We we're we're products of that environment. Uh, we would not be where we are today had not we been uh, our lives been enriched by the people that you know spoke in our lives as young men there running around the streets in E Town. And uh, here we are. You know, we're in our sixties now, and uh, we've had a great life. Uh, we've done some amazing things in our lives. Uh, travel the world, saw things we probably thought we'd probably never see, uh, you know, reading them in a book, but we've seen things and done <laughs> things. But we're products of uh, of that uh, nourishing environment that was and still is uh, E-Town. So we're, I'm grateful for that, and I know you are as well. Absolutely. Well, Wayne, I think that's about it, man. We've, we've, hit, we've hit a few topics tonight. We've uh, discussed uh, several things that's been good. And we're going to um, leave this broadcast by saying uh, Chiliamo Dopo. Yes, Arrivederci. Until we meet again, um, this has been Across the Tracks. <laughs>